When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. All right, fellas, and all right, loves, as they say in Liverpool, the home of the Premier League champions, and welcome to episode 13 of the Soccer Talk Lads or STL podcast. Today, we'll discuss that Premier League championship, as well as the German Bundesliga championship, and then touch on the state of soccer around the world, including the emotional return of the National Women's Soccer League here in these United States, and the approaching return of Major League Soccer. It's a lot to cover, so let's kick off. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Soccer Talk Labs podcast. Monday evening in Middle Missouri, Eastern Middle Central Eastern Missouri for two of us, <laughs> and uh, Western Missouri for the other one of us. Uh, Justin, has the Saharan dust cloud descended upon Kansas City yet, or is that just St. Louis? We didn't get it as bad as St. Louis. Like I haven't noticed the air quality. I was going to say, I would think as a runner, that would be something you'd be keenly aware of. Yeah, and I can usually notice that when, uh, <laughs> I guess last year we had all the like smoke come mm-hmm. from like those California fires, like I could definitely feel it in the air. So when half of Kansas self-immolated a couple of months ago, did you oh, notice yeah. that? That was bad. I couldn't run that day because yeah. uh, Kansas was on fire and you can Not definitely just tell. <laughs> in the normal that it's a trash bag state way, but in the specific, like it was literally engulfed in flames. It was like, literally on fire. Yeah. Like, Justin, you live on the Missouri side of Kansas City, right? I live on the Missouri side, yeah. yeah. I live in downtown, so I'm like along the Missouri River right here. We speak to him, Ian, so that... Yeah, well, that's what, that's what I was checking on. Making you sure knew that like, question you know. was answered. Is there like... So I really don't know Casey that well. <laughs> is there actually like a city on the other side, or is it just like... Yeah, so I mean, like, 
the state line just like goes right through the middle of the city oh, basically so trash, it's right. not like st louis and east st louis where it's like pretty evenly it's even on the kansas side it's probably a little bit more built up so mm. it's like it's pretty even half and half i've driven i've driven through the kansas side to get to like you know denver and places that matter but um <laughs> <laughs> i've never really hung out on the kansas side yeah i tried to limit my yeah limit my time too. i mean kansas city is the last bastion the Kansas side of Kansas is not a place fit for man, beast, or MLS teams. So um, <laughs> here we are. So now that we've sufficiently alienated anyone from the sporting fan base that might be uh, listening to us right now, uh, I guess we Who are these St. Louis guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. Let's give them a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm, I hope they enjoyed their two-minute stay on the Soccer Talk podcast. But... Uh, where do you want to start? Do we do we start with how Liverpool are the best team of all time, or do we? Yes, wait? even I guess you know the big news of the week: Liverpool clinching their title in a record amount of time. Stephen, as you all know, is a big time Liverpool fan. So, Stephen, how are you feeling? And are you feeling lukewarm about this? Or what are your thoughts? <laughs> Feel free I, to put it in song form. <laughs> I have to say, I. So only in soccer can you win a championship while you're not on the field um, and in like Andy Robertson's backyard or something, wherever they were all congregated, which yeah. you shouldn't do, folks. Don't congregate even outside, you know, be safe. But if you're winning a Premier League title and you're all young and healthy, I guess you can just break the rules. But no, um, but I think I was surprised by how excited I really was by it. Like I... I am sincerely a Liverpool fan, and I sincerely really like that team and those players, and especially the manager. But, like, I also feared that when it actually happened, I'd be kind of like, oh, cool, you know, like, this is great, but I would feel very, like, disconnected from the people who are actually in Liverpool and have been waiting for this for 30 years. Uh, And, I mean, I, I certainly didn't feel it on that much of an emotional level. I don't think I felt it like the way I felt the Blues winning the Stanley Cup last year, for example. I'm on a real streak here. But um, I felt it, and I was really excited, and it kind of made my afternoon. I didn't I didn't expect Chelsea to topple Man City. Uh, I didn't expect that Christian Pulisic, after not coming to Liverpool like I had hoped and dreamed, would still play a pivotal role in winning their first uh, Premier League title, but... Helping Jurgen Klopp along the way. Yeah, I think it... I Sleep think sell. As we, t- we can talk about with the games as we go into them, I think that kind of just thrashing victory over Crystal Palace on whatever it was, Wednesday? Was it Wednesday and then Thursday that they clinched? Or whatever the days yeah, were. I believe. Um, I think that sort of gave you that feeling of like, okay, they just sort of claimed the title as their own because they kind of sucked against Everton. Uh, and, you know, I mean, that those Everton derbies are always a little crazy, and so it's going to happen from time to time. In fact, I kind of expected it to happen. But the way they came out and just, just I mean, destroyed Crystal Palace, who aren't a terrible team. You know, they're not good, great, but they're not bottom three. They're uh, Europa challenge. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So, and and that just didn't look like they were anywhere near in the same class as Liverpool mm-hmm. in that game. And and all of those goals were unique and beautiful and special in a, in a peculiarly Liverpool way and got a lot of different people involved. And I just think 
I think that sort of felt like, okay, we can't really celebrate yet because it's not done, done, but that was sort of the triumphal moment. And then, you know, I think they're... The return to play this Thursday against Man City, obviously the team they most immediately vanquished for the title, is going to be a big moment for them as well. But surreal to do it without fans in the stadium. Well, surreal to do it, you know, without being in the stadium at all on the night it happened. Um, a weird time of year, but honestly, it feels pretty good. For me, as, as a, you know, relatively novice Liverpool supporter who was kind of, you know, lukewarm through the Gerard era and some of the in the Brog era, the Brendan Rodgers era, and then really kind of kicked it into gear with the hiring of Klopp. So I've been on board for, you know, four or five years now in a pretty, pretty intense fashion, but it felt good. What was your what was your initial like, when did you decide that this was your team? Like, so it's it's been a while that they've been kind of passively my team i feel like really i don't you know i never really had any british association outside of them i think it was stevie g and then i was like oh liverpool the home of the beatles who i really like like that's a sensible connection and i think when i was that young i didn't even have the wherewithal to connect oh everton is also from the home of the beatles (laughs) you know because like they weren't called liverpool or whatever so i just didn't I didn't put two and two together. I don't think I had the framework for like, oh, in in England, most major cities have at least two teams, you know? So um, so I think it was kind of always sort of passive that way. I, you know, I remember I liked the Torres era and the Suarez era. Uh, you know, I was, I was aware a little bit, mostly through like FIFA and stuff, mm-hmm. to be honest. But Dirk Kite, shout out to Dirk Kite. You know, always, always holding it down on the on the FIFA games for me. But then I really did, it did become more serious when Klopp jumped on board. I just kind of felt like they went through that stretch of managers uh, where it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to happen. And especially with Rogers, and then it felt like, oh, Klopp is really the right guy. I connected to him because you know I. I have a lot of German ancestry, speak a little German, so it just felt like a good fit. And he, I mean, is obviously so gregarious and likable himself. And so I think I really jumped on board then and have kind of followed ever since. And It's hard to dislike, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's like the perfect human being. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, like I all these like celebrity, you know, all these times celebrities get called out for bad stuff i feel like if i ever had that happen usually i'm just kind of disaffected by it because i'm like whatever but i feel like if that ever happened to him i'd just be crushed because i honestly think he's like a perfect person uh but yeah i mean i've since then over the last five years i'd say i've been a lot more intense about it went to the game at bush stadium when they came uh which ironically i think was like they played Roma, so I'm pretty sure Sala was there, but was on Roma, and then like that was the summer that yeah. later on he flipped teams, you know. Um, but in any case, I was there for that, and then you know I've just been kind of more and more passionate ever since, and you know, so I'm I'm I definitely will freely admit I'm a little bit of a bandwagon in the sense that I've only been here four or five years, but I don't think I'm a bandwagon in the sense that I was like, oh, last year they're really fun or, you know, they're really great and now I'm on board. Yeah, I mean, that first year under Klopp wasn't, like, it wasn't anything special necessarily either. It wasn't gorgeous. He definitely took the long, long haul approach, which has obviously paid off now, but 
yeah, so that's my that's my Liverpool story a little bit. I, I, I find think... it interesting, like, how Americans get attached to, like, European teams. Because, like, for me, I remember, like, my dad watching Man U, and now I realize it's because they were, like, the only team that was on TV all the time growing up. <laughs> and then, like, I just liked Wayne Rooney so much that I just, like, got attached to the team as I grew older. Like, every FIFA game, I wanted to be Wayne Rooney, so I'd always played Manchester United. And then I got attached, and then they... Sir Alex left, and then they became crap, and now I'm just stuck with them. But <laughs> so you're like on bandwagon in the opposite way, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the leaner times, and um, you know, so I feel like that's a, that's a an equal choice. I feel like it is interesting. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of American kids our age probably did initially get introduced through. FIFA or, you know, FIFA Street or whatever the case might yeah. be. I think that was a big thing for a lot of people. Or even, like, backyard soccer to some extent. Like, I remember some of the, the Kobe Jones and folks who were in that game that, like, I wouldn't have probably ever been aware of any other way, you know? So yeah. I think that's, honestly, a lot of my sports knowledge of, you know, my early lifetime came through that. Ian, you're you're a Tottenham fan. Uh, yes. Why is that? <laughs> I think I know this story, and I think it's fun. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You guys were talking about a lot, but yeah, how Americans come to find their find their British Premier League uh, spirit animal, <laughs> and uh, I think I think really spirit is part of it. Like, I I could pick any team, but I think it, like we've talked about before, it's one of those things where the structure of the Premier League is so different or maybe just soccer in general across Europe to a U.S. sport where there's a playoff at the end, you know, and so you might look at like playoff appearances, you know, I, if it was playoffs, I think I'd try and find a team that like normally makes the playoffs, um, but doesn't win all the time just to have, you know, the fun of like, oh, they never win, but also they're also always in contention. And so having no playoffs, if you will, with the, with the Premier League, it was like, okay, what's a team that is good but never wins, essentially? Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's Tottenham. And that's because, you know, more of a background of being a Blues fan where it's like, obviously now they've won, but up until this point they, they had not won any championship. And I, I can kind of get behind the sort of rooting for the underdog team, which I think a lot of people can. I think it's harder for me to pick a team that's like – constantly good or constantly in the mix as one of the best teams to really root for. Uh, I might take like a special interest in, you know, just because it, it makes your interest in the sport last longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I guess with soccer, especially or with uh, football over in the UK or any team or any league that has relegation, then there's the whole fun of being able to maybe pick a, a lesser team, mm-hmm. if you will, to see like, oh, I hope this team, you know, is promoted or hope this team doesn't get relegated and things like that so but with all that being said yeah Tottenham sort of fit the bill of like hey this team's this team's good this team's got players that I've even heard of or whatever I've seen uh on FIFA before I've seen you know make the rounds on like um on highlights and things like that but I don't think I've ever seen them necessarily win anything (laughs) and they haven't and uh, it's one of those things where I said, you know what, I've, I I picked this team and I'm not backing out. It's weird how that happens. I'm not nearly as invested um, in it. soccer as you two are, but like it's like I I can't back out now. That's the team I picked. Yeah, and I mean, it's like it would feel commitment. wrong. It would feel wrong of me to say to have picked that team, looked into them, even the little bit that I have, and be like, you know what, nah, not for me. I think I'm like, you know what, I'm just hitched to this wagon now. 
saw how they play under Jose Mourinho, and you said, no, this is too boring. I'm out. <laughs> you know what? Actually, you bring a good point, Justin. If I found a team, if I picked a random team, and then I watched them play in-depth, and I was like, this is really boring crap, which, because I haven't watched them in-depth, that might be the case. Uh, <laughs> I might actually bounce them, because I'm like, oh, no, 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 we got to watch this team. If they're going to fail, I want to watch them, you know, they need to be in flames, you know what I mean? I don't want just a sad, slow... Oh, one nothing. Oh, I don't one think, nothing. I don't think Tottenham games are boring if you're a fan. Like going yeah. through the Jose Mourinho Man United era, the he plays like that pragmatic style where you like sit back but you absorb a lot. So like if you're on the edge of your seat because you're hoping that like the other team doesn't break through all the time, that's kind of exciting in a bad way, maybe. But. <laughs> God, just hold on a little longer. Goodbye, though. All right, boys, you're getting to the games. Yeah, I think so. I was going to ask real quick. Do you got uh, Ian mentioned having like a backup crappy team. Uh, Justin, do you have a, a second tier team that you kind of root for? I, I find myself kind of warm to all of them, all of the really, you know, lower tier teams. But I think like West Ham and Southampton are two that stick out to me as ones that I really kind of support. I've always kind of been like a Newcastle. I like, like Newcastle a lot too, yeah. Idea. Yeah, it's just interesting because, like, there, there's, as Ian was talking about, there's really no sense of parity in, uh, obviously, in the Premier League. So it's like you can, you can almost root for two tiers of teams so that, like, if you're watching a game between, like, you know, West Ham and Wolves or whoever, it's like that'll be a closer game than either of those teams versus Liverpool, but you can still have kind of like a rooting interest, you know. And yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, the top seven are their own like separately compared yeah. to the other fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're watching, uh, who were we watching the other day? Southampton and in uh, Watford. Watford. Then you <laughs> so can yeah, just, I do like Watford. Then you can claw your eyes out, you know. Yeah, the Hornet Moose, the Hornet Moose. Yeah, the Hornet. I'll always remember Watford. <laughs> well, as I said on Twitter, there is no better argument against promotion relegation than having to watch a Southampton Watford game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, to let's send it both down, sort of attitude. Yeah, just to send like the bottom half of the league down. <laughs> I, I used to think I'd hate the European Super League idea, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't know that I would hate that. I don't know that some teams deserve to, you know, suffer <laughs> this badly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the games then. Uh, Man City destroyed Arsenal. And Burnley by a combined eight to nothing, and then lost to Chelsea. Wah wah! Uh, thank you for both beating uh, Stan Kroenke's team and losing to Christian Pulisic's team. Uh, that, I thought... uh, that Christian Pulisic goal too. I don't know if you guys saw oh, it. That it was, was something. That was a thing of beauty. Yeah, that was just a pure sprint, and he's. I mean, you see why he is maybe going to be the best American player potentially of all time by the time he's done. I mean, he's... That's playing the Premier League, League, I would say. That's right. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, I think I I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no, I I remember now. I find myself increasingly drawn to Chelsea, which I really don't like because they're really maybe the only team in the Premier League that I felt like I really disliked. And now that they've got Pulisic and they're like this fun young team, I find myself like increasingly pulled towards liking them. Uh, Those games, they're like super wide open too. Yeah. So they play like really big up and down style. Like that's fun. 
Yeah, I when mean, it is very much team, like, hey, we're young, we can run all day. So just running back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. We can run all day, and, and also we don't have very great fundamentals, so we're just going to play like crazy and hope it works out. Uh, Leicester had two draws and a loss in the FA Cup, and they were outplayed in all three. Uh, thoughts on the Foxes? Not a good start in hashtag Project Restart. Um, Jamie Vardy I is heard- the only one that can score still. Not looking good. I had to hear Project Restart like 43 times before I realized it's actually what they were calling it and not just... Yeah. You know? what, is, what does that end? What do we just call them really? Yeah, I guess I guess not until at least next season. Uh, as you say here, Pulisic FC uh, is just one point back of Leicester uh, and they had two Premier League wins and an FA Cup win and 4.21 expected goals against City. I mean, they... They were the better team in that game by a good margin, I would say. And I don't know if, if that is Man City kind of reading the writing on the wall and just not bringing their best effort, or if it's Chelsea being hungry. I mean, I don't think Chelsea had any motivation to help Liverpool win a Premier League title. I'm sure that's not it, but maybe they have that added motivation to say, hey, we no. can at least be the deciding factor in this, you know, and like, you know, maybe th- maybe their motivation was stealing the on-field moment from Liverpool. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but they certainly looked hungry. Yeah, I think, like, I think, one, I think City was a little bit checked out because I think they have an eye on, well, the FA Cup game and then, mm-hmm. like, the Champions League. I don't think they really care about the Premier League anymore. Um, like, there's they are pretty solidly in second place. They're not going to lose that. And yeah. Chelsea have a pretty good shot of passing Leicester now to, like, really cement that Champions League spot. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. They seem like a really hungry team right now. Yeah, yeah, they look good. Uh, Wolves are two points back at Chelsea, and they had three pretty dominant wins, allowing only uh, 0.9 expected goals combined. Uh, I mean, they did play Villa, West Ham, and Bournemouth, but you did say in the notes not to mention that. Don't don't mention that. It ruins the narrative. We can erase that. (laughs) Just less than one expected goal against Premier League competition um, for now. And <laughs> pretty dominant. And uh, the Adama, Tra- Adama Traore, Raul Jimenez, like partnered three times for three goals, like in all three of those games. So anytime, it's good. Anytime I see Adama Traore, I am looking at the Incredible Hulk. So, you know, he's. I like him a lot. I love I him. I think he's like, really, he's improved so much this year. He is like. I would say he's built like a linebacker, but I don't even think linebackers are built that way. <laughs> you know, he's like not a soccer yeah. player at all, but he gets it done. It's a little he has like, like good touch and finishing now too. So he can like put a pass in on a dime and yeah, he's a little like uh Jordan Shakiri where it's like, Oh, you're just a cube person. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> interesting. Um, United, you want to talk about their stretch here? Yeah, um, Manchester United have like somewhat good two wins, one in the FA Cup, one dominant win against Sheffield United, who we'll talk about later, and a draw against Tottenham. The Tottenham game was just like your classic. United have trouble breaking down a low block. Mourinho teams sit in a low block encounter, so it was always going to be like that. And hold on, I have the XG battle here. I feel like I picked the right team. Just to hold on for dear hope. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of like opportunities and then like can't get that final pass through. Um, XG wise, they 
had 1.77 versus Tottenham's 0.53. And a lot of that was just Manchester United like holding the ball and trying to find a way through. Um, that's the game where Pogba came on late. So I wasn't sure about that. Then during the Sheffield United game, they pretty much dominated, winning 3 nothing. Um, Sheffield didn't really have, they had like one shot on goal, 0.11 expected goals, which is like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when like Pogba and really started to look good. Um, a couple of those passes just looked fresh. It's... And then the partnership between him and Bruno Fernandez is starting to gel a bit, it seems like. It's... And then they played Norwich in the FA Cup and took. 130 minutes to score a second goal. So. <laughs> well, you know, they were distracted by those gorgeous kits, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's wild to me how Paul Pogba, when he came to United, was in the top tier of world players. Mm. And, like, he basically has just been starting and stopping ever since, I feel like. And yet he's still world class when given the opportunity, you know, when he actually yeah. gets out there and gets to play. He's There's that. He came on against Tottenham and within like five minutes had made this pass to Rashford where he went from like, it was probably like a 30 yard pass that he hit Rashford in stride and just mm-hmm. like, it was perfect. I mean, it was almost Fabinho good. So, almost. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Tottenham, our dear friends, drew with United and won over David Moyes, West Ham. Stop trying to make David Moyes happen. It's not I'm trying to, to make happen. David Moyes happen. Uh, and they dominated. In, they were dominated in one, and they did dominate in the other. I would say that that is as simple as in one they played Man United, and in another they played David Moyes' West Ham. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's it's a question. It's funny, like, those bottom five teams, like, none of them want to separate themselves, and they all, like, pretty not great. <laughs> yeah, they really ought to relegate, like, half of the bottom tier. Right like, Norwich, now. Villa, Bournemouth, West Ham, and Watford all have looked pretty bad yeah. in a lot of opportunities. Uh, what's going on with Sheffield United? Since Project Restart, they have yet to win, losing three, including a terrible FA Cup performance. And they've only generated .92 expected goals. Not that expected goals were ever their bread and butter to begin with. Right. Uh, but in general, they just aren't getting forward and they're sacrificing offense to sure up the defense. What do you think is going on with the, uh, what are they called, the Savers? I know that's not it. But the Blades, Steven. The Come blades. on. Thank you. Um, I wrote a little blog piece on the STL podcast medium page this week, just kind of exploring it. And like, generally it comes down to their like strikers just aren't getting forward. So they're spending a lot of time like back in the defending half, like almost sacrificing like offense to sure up the defense. And it just like, isn't resulting in any sort of offensive opportunities at all. And like their last game, it was a little bit better, like positioning wise, but if you can compare it now versus I think there was a game against Norwich they played like right before the break and you could see like position wise it's like night and day pretty much. Um you know, I had this theory like looking at the Bundesliga games and looking at the really games where like a lot of times these teams that are like systems oriented like Sheffield is for the most part like aren't having as good a research just because it takes longer for that system to gel and like if you're defense first a lot of times defense is harder to like sharpen than like offensive talent. I yeah. think they're kind of a happening there. Yeah. But what are your thoughts, Steve? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say that 
uh, Justin, not just a, a social media aficionado, not just a digital running coach, but also a brilliant uh, tactical analyst in uh, thanks, written thanks. form. Just pretty much any job that you can do without human social contact, Justin. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, other than that, yeah, I, th- I think you're dead on with that analysis because I think the Sheffield is not a team, and I say this with respect, <laughs> that's going to f- skate on talent, you know? I mean, nobody yeah. nobody would have said they were going to be a top-half team and certainly wouldn't, you know, be fighting for top-four positioning as long as they did. It seems like they've fallen out of that now. But um, So, you know, they're not going to get by just on willpower or talent alone, so they have that really strong tactical advantage and i think that's just not gonna be as easy to pick up as people like you know just to pick on liverpool mo salah and you know sadio mane and roberto Firmino, who can Firmino, who can go three months and then pick up a soccer ball and still be the best players in the world you know i mean that it's not fair uh by any stretch but it's the reality of, of kind of the disparity and the uh Premier League, and I think, you know, more on top of that, just the reality of momentum, which is a real thing in sports, as much as some mm. people pretend mm. it's not. I don't know about that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we can have that discussion offline, Ian. Uh, but, um, you know, if, if you're a team that's overperforming just generally uh, throughout the pre-pause, uh, mm. pre-shutdown portion of the season, which I think it's fair to say Sheffield was by and large, you're going to hit the brakes pretty hard and it's not necessarily going to be super easy to just pick up and say, Oh no, we are still a top half team. We're still hanging with the big dogs. We're still here. We're still in it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a combination of those factors and the reality that maybe the more they fall out of like a real chance at a, at a, uh, Europa spot or your, or even a, um, champions league spot, the less, fight they have internally to just keep pushing and you know because at the start of a season a ninth place finish would have been really good for Sheffield and you know now that they've kind of settled back into that I wonder if that's part of it too Um, yeah I think you see it with Leicester too like Leicester kind of same deal they're built on that like tight defense and then hoping that Jamie Vardy can get a goal Um, and they've had a rough like return compared to like their previous form as well and they've been overplaying a lot this year so I mean, they've been hoping that Jamie Vardy can get a goal for like five years now, but yeah, and, but it's worked. I mean, it's worked. <laughs> That's why they won a title? So, uh, yeah, so I'm not going to discredit them for that, but um, yeah, I mean, if he if they can't get him forward and get him scoring, I mean, it's so hard when you have one player. I mean, that's part of the problem with uh, Crystal Palace's game against uh, Liverpool is when Zaha goes out in the 10th minute or whenever he went down, it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what's your hope once, once you're down, you know, pretty arguably your best player overall and your best scoring threat by far. And you're facing one of the world's elite teams. Like what even is your motivation to try really, you know, as much as, as much as they're professional athletes and I'm sure they have, you know, pride and everything and they're never going to just dog it for, for laziness's sake. Like, how do you convince yourself mentally to give that fight if you've got your best player not performing or not connecting, you know? I don't know how you do it. Uh, should we talk about Arsenal? And by that, I mean, should we trash on uh, Stan Kroenke's trash bag team? Always. Yeah, I think so. Um, Ian, what are your impressions on Stan Kroenke as a football team owner? 
Okay, so I was literally, I'm serious. I was going to ask. So why is this man? Why does he own? Why? Oh, first of all, why is this man? Yes. Oh, he was created yeah. in a test tube. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. By an evil scientist. Okay. Is he is he the Mew to Eugene Melnick's Mew two or like <laughs> how, do we, how do we fall on that? Uh, they definitely come from the same planet. I feel like. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, it's. They're what I would say they're both failed Mewtwo experiment experiments, and then like Robert Kraft is the real Mewtwo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but like in my in my infinite naivete of this of the sport in this league, why would the Premier League allow this man to own a team, or is that not a thing? Is can you just like I guess in most sports leagues you can just own a team; they don't care. Yeah, but yeah. do I mean, they the really League, not give a crap? The Premier League has the right to refuse ownership, but they're not going to refuse one of the richest men in the world. Yeah. And they've arguably got worse human beings in their rank as as difficult as that (laughs) is for me to say. Oh, that's what was my biggest fear. He spent like just enough money to make sure that Arsenal is like a top seven team, like always in Europe kind of team. But Stan Kroenke does the same thing in every place. He doesn't care at all about on-field product as long as they're competitive enough for him to be making money on his investment. I mean, he's an investment owner. He's not a passionate owner. He doesn't care about the product of the team. He doesn't care about championships, even if there are quotes from 20 years ago where he claims that's all he cares about, uh, things he said with the Nuggets back in the day. He doesn't care, and and I think, you know, even, even trying to remove personal animus from it, which is difficult with one of the men I, I truly despise the most, I really think he wants his investment to make him money. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care if they do that by having a nicer stadium with bigger sponsorships or by winning more games. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you just don't see him pouring the the personal investment, the financial investment into it. And, and again, he's not cheap necessarily. That's not really the right word for it. But he's just not going to spend a lot on players and on coaches and on those sorts of things if it's not going to lose him money not to. Yeah, and I think, like, also, it's interesting because he definitely, like, isn't involved in soccer operations at all. Like, dude yeah. probably doesn't even know how to play the game um, in any way. Yeah. <laughs> probably doesn't even know what soccer ball is. But, like, Arsenal also make these bad decisions, like re-signing David Luiz to another year contract. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's where that comes from. Talk about for a while. <laughs> I think, too, it's like, as much as FIFA is a money sport, soccer is a money sport, like, it takes more than just throwing money at a problem, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, to use Liverpool as an example. So, like, Manuel Veth was actually talking about this on, like, a Transfer Market article where... Liverpool, like, they spend a lot of money, but in order of their, like, team, they actually spent pretty smartly. Like, yeah. most of their players, like, doubled in, like, transfer market value. So they spend, I think, like, $600 million on this team, and currently they're worth, like, player player worth is, like, $900 million. So yeah. I mean, while you look at them, smartly. they haven't spent recklessly ever, really. Yeah. They've made a couple of huge investments in Van Dyke and... Uh, Allison, most notably, where they went out and just paid the highest price ever for a position player. Um, 
And but those have both paid off dramatically, yeah. you know. And, and there's, there's a difference than that in overpaying for David Luiz. Yeah. I guess well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then, like the you know, Quap and and FSG will take off transfer markets entirely, and they'll yeah. also go and find people like Andy Robertson who are rejected, you know, by Scottish Premier League clubs and turn them into you know, arguably the best left back in the world. Like they do that sort of stuff too. Trent Alexander-Arnold's a young kid they developed into one of the best right backs in the world. And it's like that, that sort of stuff is never going to happen at a Stan Kroenke leg club because the passion just isn't there. And he doesn't, he doesn't care enough about putting the right people in place. You know, he wants yes men like Kevin Demoff who will do his bidding, but he doesn't care about having people that will win him championships and, and now the per- personal animus is creeping back in. <laughs> you know, and we can only talk about it for so long before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I visualize his face, and it just inspires so much hatred in me that it's hard to hard to let it go. So I get, that. I understand. <laughs> uh, right now, Premier League standings from top to bottom, real quick. Liverpool at eighty six are Premier League champions, having clinched it. That's wild to think that they could not w- lose. They could not. They could lose every remaining game, and Man City could win every remaining game, and they still would not catch up. Uh, Leicester City follows Man City. Uh, Man City's at sixty three. Leicester at fifty five. Chelsea one point behind fifty four. Wolves two points at fifty two. Then it's Man United, Tottenham, Burnley in the final three Europa Europa spots. Sheffield just outside of that at 44, one point behind Burnley. Arsenal behind them by a point. Chester uh, Crystal Palace behind them by a point. Everton behind them by a point. Southampton, who really have had a phenomenal resurgence this year. We probably haven't talked about them enough. David Ings is like second in the Golden Boot rating. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, He is uh, there one point behind uh, Everton. Newcastle point back, and then you get into the bottom uh, third of the league, which is uh, Brighton at 33, Watford 28, West Ham 27, and currently Bournemouth and Aston Villa tied at 27 in the relegation zone, and Norwich at 21 in the very little hope zone. (laughs) Um, what just a shame because like Norwich, I can actually watch where there's like other five I can't. So yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you love those jerseys and you love uh, uh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm biased. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in moving on to the Bundesliga, Bayern won their eighth straight title. Yawn. Um, that's another argument for the Super League. I mean, think about how good. Borussia Dortmund has been and the fact that they haven't been able to steal any title in the last years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like Bayern are honestly the top three teams in the world. Maybe top four if you put Barcelona in there right now. I mean, Bayern went through a period a couple of years ago where they were like in a rough patch and they still won all the German titles, you know? They were fire managers and stuff and they're still winning champions. Ships. They fired a manager this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they're playing like ever since the restart under Hansi Flick, they've been just like one probably between them. I would say they're playing better than Liverpool and like Real Madrid right now. Yeah. So imagine being fired because you aren't the best enough. That'd be that'd be tough. <laughs> um, 
the uh, Champions League spots right now in the Bundesliga are going to Dortmund, RB Brendan Leipzig, and München Gladbach. Uh, not a, uh, not a real surprise there. I I say. Credit to RB Leipzig for doing what they do better than any other team in the world, constantly moving in young talent and selling old talent and still being competitive all the time. I mean, that really is kind of an accomplishment. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting because they're still in the Champions League. Like, this year's Champions League and Timo Werner is gone. He's, be at, he's going to Chelsea, like, after... And he's going there now. Like, yeah. he's not going to play in the Champions League. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Yeah, very much. Uh, Josh Sargent uh, contributed in Werder, Werder Bremen's 6-1 win to send them to the relegation playoff. Good for them. Uh, and uh, what do you think about the relegation playoff in general, Justin? I like it. I like this idea of you are safe for now, but you have to play the third-place team in the two Bundesliga, which probably means you win, but last year Union Berlin... Union Berlin was the second place team in two Bundesliga and they won the mm-hmm. playoff. I don't know. I think it's exciting. It just adds like an extra wrinkle to the relegation zone battle. I say the more blood sport, the better. So yeah, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> the whole thing should be a playoff, quite frankly. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, we've talked before, but I love the idea of relegation. I don't know that you can do it in the U.S. Uh, the way everything's currently constructed, but it's fun. It's definitely fun. Uh, you want to walk us through the National Women's Soccer League, Justin? The first major, mid-major at least, American sports league to come back that isn't, you know, horse racing or car racing? I think they're major now. I'd classify them as a major, plus I don't count NASCAR. Yeah, um, well, they're not a team sport <laughs> at the very least. Oh, that's true, that's true. Um, they're being sponsored by Google now, NWSL. Hey, right, there you go. And yeah. by their crappy CBS sports streaming app, right? Oh, don't get me started. The first game was on like CBS proper, which was nice. And then the Washington Chicago game was on the app. So I I got it to watch this tournament. And you have to go into the app and scroll like all the way over on this like top bar I didn't know was scrollable to like get to sports. And then they had this graphic for the challenge cup. You had to click on that. And then like the game doesn't show up until it's already started. And it's it's just frustrating. It was frustrating trying to figure it out. That's my that's my general experience on the NWSL so far. Hey, you know, that's not. Uh, it will improve. I'm a big I'm a big uh, imp- I have a big emphasis on user experience, and those who fail me do not get my forgiveness very quickly. So. <laughs> they have to update. They have to update their user experience. Do better. Um, as far as the games, the games are surprisingly excited for. And we experienced this with Bundesliga and Premier League. Like the first games back usually are kind of duds, mm-hmm. um, but these are actually like pretty much back and forth. Um, our the STL podcast endorsed Portland Thorns lost two to one to North Carolina Courage. Um, North Carolina Courage are definitely like the best team in this tournament by far, and they have been for the past couple of years in the NWSL. Can I just uh, say real quick, women's sports yeah. teams have the best names. I like, dig it. <laughs> I feel like they just uh, think outside the box at all. You know, which I don't. I don't think they overthink it either. Yeah, you know? no, they don't. Like, yeah, we're just gonna go with this. And that's not even like overly feminine. I mean, in, maybe in some cases that's a more feminine name than you would get away with in a in a men's sports league. But you know, like courage is not like, feminine. And nobody's all is solid. Like even all the like badges and branding throughout the league. Like every team is like I don't think there's a bad look. Yeah. Sometime we should go through all those teams and, and do that the way we should. Do. Maybe that's our maybe that's our next podcast. Yeah, uh, could be. 
will be through the end of the tournament that time. Um, North Carolina is really good. Lynn Williams scored the game-winning goal, was, like, dangerous the whole game. Um, yeah, North Carolina is still very good. I was, it was my takeaway from that. <laughs> uh, Crystal Dunn was also, like, extremely solid in that game. Um, the second game, Washington 2, Chicago Red Stars 1. This podcast is still staunchly pro Rose Lavelle and anti-Chicago sports. Are you guys on board with that? No question. Uh, I thought you'd be behind that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, those allegiances are no different in this game. Rose Lavelle is probably the best player in the tournament, especially since a lot of the other Team USA players, I'd say between her and Crystal Dunn, they're probably just night and day better. Like You watch this game. And Lavelle scored the first goal after basically like dribbling the entire midfield, sending in a nice pass and like picking up the re- rebound. Um, all game was sending these like passes that would just break apart Chicago's like back line. Uh, and then when she came off like the 65th minute, like there was definitely a different team. They didn't look as like crisp and as sharp, um, but they still scored a second goal. And yeah, that's, that's that game. Were you guys able to watch any of the highlights of these games at all? What were your thoughts kind of going forward? I saw some of the ceremony highlights, which were great, as we'll yeah. touch on in a minute. I didn't see a lot of the game highlights, but I think, I mean, I'm just, I am in my own ignorance, but excitement. I'm always like in awe of just how high level the women's game is. And I think that's a stereotype I constantly need to break in myself as, you know, thinking it's in any way not as good as just MOS or anything else but I you know when I get to watch it it's it's clear that I'm I'm very wrong when I think that so yeah what I saw is just yeah I mean like these games are always exciting and I think like the good thing about the NWSL that the MOS doesn't have is that it's the best league in the world like they're like teams mm-hmm. like uh Olympic Leon PSG are really good women's teams but like league league wide from the top to bottom it's the best league in the world which yeah for sure to me means a lot Liverpool's got a women's team. I follow them a little bit, so that's fun. But yeah, definitely <laughs> top to bottom in the league. I was going to say, I've noticed from watching, and maybe it's just the little bit I've watched, but I feel like there's uh, a little less diving, I feel like. I could be wrong. They're but... like, they don't call anything. That was my takeaway. Like, they would, I think a player would have had to die for it to get a red card. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it felt, it felt a little more like haywire. It felt a little more crazy. I've, like from like I the think, like from the highlights I watched at least. Yeah, like Julie Ertz got tackled at one point, like football tackled, and like they didn't call anything. The play just went the other way. I was like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one of the one of the interesting things about women's soccer in particular is like it's fun because the Americans are so dominant in it, but like it's also would be much better if they weren't. Like for the growth of the game internationally you want to see more and more countries compete and that's happening a little bit more now but not you know not as at at as rapid a pace as you might hope uh so i really hope as much as i love seeing the women dominate every year and bring home gold all the time i hope that by the time we're a little older that's you know really more of a fight the way that it has been in basketball and you know some other sports that the u.s used to dominate uh yeah, I really, I really hope that we see it grow internationally, and and as great as it is for the U.S. Uh, w or the, 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 the I can't speak anymore. The UWSL, NWSL, uh, to uh, NWSL. Yeah, yeah, my brain's broken. For the NWSL to be the best league in the world, like you want parity there too, and you want more leagues to be better and and all that. So, um, you know. 
it's it's amazing and i just want it to continue to grow i agree um i guess you can't talk about these games much without mentioning the like juilliard's casey short uh anthem protest that was like pretty powerful image um what are your guys take away from that whole side of the game yeah i mean it's 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 important obviously to to put the understatement of the century on it uh it was a beautiful moment to see them support each other and and be together in that and i think it's something we all need to work on we talked about it last week we've talked about it on uh the hockey podcast you guys won cup but it's something we all need to strive to be better at understanding you know racial diversity and 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 mending these tensions and and the heartache and everything that goes along with it. So I think that's just a powerful photographic encapsulation of a, of a very real phenomenon that the country is going through right now. So I'm, I don't want to say I'm all for it because it's like still a, a sad moment and a, a sad place to be in in some ways. But, you know, I think it's a beautiful and powerful image for all those reasons. Yeah, it kind yeah. of like encapsulates what we're going through, um, like as as a nation, as a community. So. Mm-hmm. I say, especially for soccer. I mean, um, I don't know about this women's league in particular, but it just it is like the international sport, and it just seems like you have, you have every culture in the world that participates in this sport. And so, it seems like again when you watch like the World Cup and stuff, but it brings nations together and the world together. Um, and you just hope that you see that sort of extend to like the communities that soccer surrounds as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And I think it's, you know, as, as good a job as soccer has done relative to really any other sport and reacting to this, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily above criticism themselves, and they're certainly yeah. not in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And so I think it's it's good for them to be introspective as well and say, hey, we haven't always done the best job at this either. We don't do the best job in our stadiums, although they're empty right now and, and that sort of thing. And, and you know, it's it's soccer is great in a lot of ways and has some problems in some other ways and you know that includes just supporter on supporter violence regardless of race and some other things like that name calling and things like that but you know it's 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 a good moment just in history to be introspective and and kind of reflect on on all of those issues and try and heal wounds and and you know create progress yeah, I think if you're a fan of any team, like you want that to kind of reflect your values. I think we kind of talked about this, like to use that hockey conversation when like the Blues took so long to come out with any sort of statement. Like mm-hmm. you want, you want the league that you support, the team that you support, to kind of like mirror how you feel as a person. And like fan bases are diverse and can't always have like one, one message. But it's nice to see like in a moment like this yeah. where like FBSL does appear to be listening. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's easy to say, well, sports should be apolitical, and, and I, I somewhat agree, but I think there, there, a majority of this discussion can be apolitical, you know? Mm. We can talk about politics when we get to how do we solve this, how do we improve things, that sort of thing. But as far as, you know, <laughs> believing in racial equality and racial justice and things like that, that's, you know, it's it's apolitical in the sense that everyone should believe that and i don't really care about people who don't so um you know and and i don't think it's (laughs) i don't think it's particularly brave of any sports team to say 
that they don't care about people who don't, that they don't want people who are racist to be their fans, you know? And I'm, it I'm, seems like the bare minimum. To be yeah. <laughs> and I'm really, I'm really trying to not oversimplify things. Cause I am, I am sympathetic to that desire for sports to be an escape and, and to be a way you can sort of get away from more serious topics. But at the same time, like you can't ignore what's going on in the world. And, and I think it's, it's a point because sports serves in a way to unify people from across different backgrounds yeah. of all of all kinds, gender, race, socioeconomic orientation, all sorts of places. Like specifically because of that, I think it's such a great place to have these conversations because we can come to the table and say, "Hey, we have this thing in common." Whether it's the St. Louis Blues or the Portland Thorns or or whoever Arsenal, whatever the case may be, we have that in common. So we know we're not enemies. Now let's like actually engage on this and discuss it. And it's so hard to have rational conversations about these things because they get so emotional and so heated. And there's you know Twitter is useless. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know I think I think sports serves an integral role. And has always served an integral role in racial relations. I mean, this is like the hundred year anniversary of the Negro Leagues. I think maybe literally today. Yeah, um, I saw Ozzy Smith was talking about yeah. it. Yeah, and and I mean that's huge. You know, Jackie Robinson was not just important in baseball. You know, mm-hmm. he was important in the world for opening hearts and minds to the ideas that that guy can be a hero too, you know, which seems antiquated and ridiculous now to say that he ever could not have been, but to a lot of people that was the case. So I think sports, you know, play an important role in that. And, and, you know, I, yeah. So to depoliticize them is just kind of like pointless to me. Yeah. And it's always been like that. And people who claim it hasn't been, it's like either are oblivious or like haven't been paying well and you know we see it nobody would ever question like the boston strong stuff after the marathon bombing right and not that it's exactly analogous but there are people in our community in st louis especially which is a racially diverse city that are hurting in a similar way to if that had happened in our community you know and so to pretend that we can just ignore that because it's there are areas of disagreement on this. It's just kind of like, okay, but not really though, you know. So I don't know. I'm. I think we've we've covered that well. Unless you guys have more to say, but no, I just say so. The next part of this is NWL is revising its national anthem protocol in response to players' emotional responses as we see. If a large majority of the players in the league don't want the anthem to be played, is there an obligation to play it? I don't know. I mean, I've always thought it's kind of dumb. And I'll, you know, cards on the table as someone who likes the national anthem and likes America and likes the flag, you know, a fair amount, or at least, you know, has always done so his entire life. Like, it's kind of weird that we play it (laughs) in front of every sporting event. I mean, no other country really does that. They don't do that in... And Britain, yeah, they're not I find playing it's God little, Save the Queen it's before. Odd. Yeah, I've been watching Premier League and Bundesliga, and then coming to like American sports, like, oh, this is the thing we do. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and I like, you know, I, th- I, I do think there's an important element of like reminding us of our common unity in some ways, but I don't know if the national anthem has to be the way to do that. You know, so yeah. If if a majority of the players don't want it played, then I think you have to really look at not playing it. There's no legal or 
ethical reason you have to necessarily i don't know you know it's not yeah it's it's interesting because i always think it's kind of interesting that they have the that they play the national anthem in the first place but also it's the only reason i enjoy it at all other than it's it sounds nice is um <laughs> that it's just kind of a moment of like contemplation mm -hmm. and i mean this in the nicest way i don't really think about it like deep inside of myself like what it means to be an american when i hear that and everything i'm more just like staring at the players like in their moment of silence, you know, before this big game happens, especially, you know, big meaningful games, like, oh man, it's like quiet now and you're like alone with yourself and you got to like psych yourself up probably. And, you know, you've seen on TV and stuff like with uh, World Cup games or, or yeah, here in the US where they like pan across the players and it's like, oh man, this is really cool. But like, you can do that with anything or, you know, you can do that. They're still going to have lead ups, you know, um, where they do like uh, face-offs where a kid drops a puck or, you know, brings a ball out or something. And so there's going to be times for that where it doesn't have to necessarily be the national anthem. So at least in my mind, you can preserve those moments with something else if that's what, you know, what they wanted. Yeah. And I yeah. think, sorry, Justin, I think. No, also... I was saying, yeah, I totally agree. I think, cause it is like kind of a cool moment of like, you kind of, you take down like all the atmosphere for a moment. You can like observe the players, but yeah, I agree. And, there is a way to like replace that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there, there are cases where it is openly ridiculous in some ways too. Cause like, <laughs> I mean, the NHL, it's always funny cause they play the American national anthem. And then and if you happen to be Canadian, yeah, if you happen <laughs> to be playing a Canadian team, they'll play the Canadian, but even then a third of the players are <laughs> Finnish or Russian or Swedish, you know, and then if it's just the American, well over half the players are Canadian uh, so it's like kind of ridiculous. That's obviously not as true in other sports, but it's just like there are good ways to do that. And and I'm also not saying like abolish the national anthem or yeah, yeah. or take it out of sports entirely. But if you're in a league where specifically a majority of players feel uncomfortable with its being played, especially when there aren't crowds in the stadium who yeah. can feel differently. It feels like, yeah, we don't have to play this. I don't know. So it's like, why are we doing it? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Those digital crowds would appreciate it. <laughs> That's yeah. right. The ones I still don't quite understand from watching these games. I, some of these was like black magic well, tricks Joe, to put these people on the stands. Joe Exotic's a big uh, Leeds United fan. So. Yeah, they have funny cardboard cutouts. Uh, <laughs> those that missed it at the Leeds game, uh, there's Joe Exotic was spotted in the crowd. <laughs> Leeds United is never going to financially recover from this. Um, <laughs> the MLS bubble. The MLS, hashtag MLS is back tournament is drawing nearer. I believe it's hashtag MLS is back. Yes, that's right. Oh my God, why? Why with these long hashtags? I, was, I said drawing nearer unironically, but it is also being drawn. Um, uh, they're slowly making their way to the Orlando bubble. Uh, COVID-19 is also slowly making its way to the Orlando <laughs> bubble. Let's see who gets there first. Um, but uh, you want to go through the team's here and how they drew out and how it's a very believable uh, draw and not a frozen envelope moment in any way. Yeah, I mean, I understand that there's only so much of a randomized as could be when you separate to East and West, but I, it's weird how every group has like a natural rivalry. It's strange to me. It's crazy. I mean, it's um, crazy. It is. <laughs> so I'll go through the groups and I thought afterwards we could play a game with you guys where you could tell me who would finish in the top half of each of these groups and go through the knockout round. So group A, so I'll name the groups first and then 
you guys can discuss amongst yourselves. Okay. <laughs> so Group A is Orlando versus Miami, which is also the inaugural game to kick off the tournament. Uh, NYFC versus Philadelphia in Chicago versus Smashville. Uh, group B is Real Salt Lake versus Sporting KC in Colorado and Minnesota. Group C is Toronto, New England, Montreal, and DC United. Group D is Seattle, Dallas, Vancouver, San Jose. That's probably the oddest group to me, I think. Mm -hmm. um, group E is Atlanta, Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls, and Columbus. Group F is LAFC, LA Galaxy, Houston, and Portland. First off, what are your what are your takeaways from those groups as you see them? So I have a question. Yeah. Why is it that Group A has six teams and all the others have four? Shouldn't because there at least they, be two groups of five? They don't divide evenly, I guess. Is, oh, I so guess that's true. I so every that's team true. is playing three games. So Group A, just everyone doesn't play each other. Um, and it goes like that. So Group A will have three teams come out. So every other group will have two. Even that, okay. though, does kind of defeat the entire premise of a round yeah. <laughs> I thought the uh, I thought the bar for outsmarting the MLS is really low, and I managed to stumble underneath. <laughs> but like, I mean, if you're in Group A and you play Orlando and Nashville as two of your teams, is that no, because they did mess it up? Because when they first announced it, they announced that the top two teams from every group, so Group A was at a disadvantage because only the top two teams are going out, um, and then like the next four third place teams, but. Uh, they revised that, and that the top three teams from Group A will go. <laughs> That's terrific. Like two days ago. <laughs> um, these groups are strange in some cases. Uh, I have no doubt that Galaxy and FC ended up in the Group uh, F there authentically, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I do like it that every group is a natural rivalry, so... Yeah. No doubt yeah, that some, Seattle and yeah, Vancouver were just randomly drawn together. You know, nothing, <laughs> nothing Don Garber can do about that. That's just... same with Sporting KC getting like all three of their rivals. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, Toronto, Montreal. Why wouldn't they be in the same group? Orlando, Miami. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see what you're suspicious about, Justin. I mean, listen, Red Bulls and FC are separated, so it's felt it's fine that's that you know that proves it yeah uh all right so group a of orlando miami nycfc philadelphia chicago fire and nashville who do you guys see as the three teams that make it out i'm gonna say uh the philadelphia fighting adus because even though he hasn't played there in six years i still associate them with freddie adu for some reason um for his, I think, very brief stint with the Union. Half the uh, season. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. That's was, his team. So, that's right. Uh, Sports <laughs> Illustrated called him the next big thing once, and in my head, he still is. Uh, I would say NYCFC is going to get out, and then uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to say Orlando is going to surprise Ooh. some people and escape. Okay. They're going to get that good draw because, again, that's not how a round robin works at all. And they're going to play two good teams or two bad teams and get the points. I think that is kind of how it goes because they definitely played Miami. I, I should have brought the schedule up with Group A. I didn't. Um, for me, I think Philly and NYCFC are like definites. Um, I don't see a way that they don't make it out. The rest of this group is kind of trash. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of unorthodox to know who will go. I thought Miami, though. I think Miami 
with a little bit extra time to gel. I know they're brand Can Beckham get on the field or is he got to... Can Beckham get on the field <laughs> is the question. Uh, I like Rodolfo Pizarro is, I think, going to be really good in this situation where I think the more talented teams are going to win. Um, if David Beckham put on a pair of cleats and jumped into action... Oh, they would, they'd win the group. Would he be in the top half of MLS players right now? I don't think anymore. I, I think, yeah. like, in a past life, you could have brought in a retired... Pele and he still would have been the top half of the league but but it's too good uh, a league now which is good yeah, that's think, good news i think though. quality has gone past that all right ian i've given you time to think <laughs> so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the surefire things you told me okay Philadelphia. <laughs> i mean good feelings all around um but you know what i'm, I'm gonna go i this is completely wrong and i'm and i'm not rooting for them by the way but this is just how i feel but i think maybe the chicago dumpster fire i, I mean that's not a bad decision because i think they have revamped a lot of their team they're just like a question mark for me but they do play nashville like early on which i you know nashville is so bad i think everyone's just gonna steamroll over them all right so that one guy that lived in the central west end i saw had a nashville sticker on his car i think he's gonna be real upset you said he's probably like the family member of the uh st louis kid who got drafted there Um, okay, so Group B, Real Salt Lake, Sporting Kansas City, Colorado, and Minnesota. Steven, what are your thoughts? Well, I know enough to know that Minnesota will bore their way into the second round. <laughs> uh, beyond that, I feel like it's not quite a toss-up. I would say Sporting maybe has the edge, but I could see any. I don't know. I could personally see either Sporting or the Rapids advancing, but I would probably lean Sporting. I think for me, like Sporting... Because of how they started the year, assuming that that same team shows up, I think they're the favorites. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Sporting Colorado, uh, Minnesota, like will do something. <laughs> they won't. Score, they won't allow a lot of goals. They won't score a lot of goals either. I could see all three of the teams beating up on Real Salt Lake though, and um, Minnesota still like getting through. Minnesota's, but my top two would be Sporting and Colorado. Minnesota's been through a lot. Target's been through a lot. I'm, maybe I'm pulling for Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, a turning point for the community. Yeah. Ian, Ian your thoughts? Group B. No, Minnesota will botch it, <laughs> as they always do. Right on the goal line. Uh, sporting KC, and you know what? I know, again, off the board pick, but Real, Real Salt Lake. Because okay. I like their because I like their logo, I think. Ian's <laughs> yeah, off I the do. board no, picks are garbage teams. <laughs> garbage all right all right well ian's going off the board we also like we gotta we gotta wait we gotta write down these predictions and actually hold ourselves to them yeah all right real quick i was not told we'd be holding let's catch up so justin in group a you were nycfc philadelphia and miami miami i was national fc philly and orlando and Ian was FC Philly and the Chicago dumpster fire. Chicago. And then in group B, I said Minnesota and sporting. Justin, you said sporting Colorado. Colorado. Sporting. Yes. I think sporting will win. I think Colorado, they've been so good under Robin Frazier. Like, I don't know. I think they're just one of those teams that like, they shouldn't be as good as they are, but like they just gel together. Ian, you said Sporting and Real Estate Lake or Minnesota? Sporting. Sporting. Okay. Ne- never Minnesota. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Group C, we have 
Toronto and Montreal, New England, DC United. Uh, I'm going. Uh, I'm going all 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 Canada here. I think pretty easily. Uh, I think that's smart. Toronto and Montreal take this one. I think I'm there with you. I think New England could get hot. It looked like decent over the last half of last year, but but I am Team Toronto and I am Team Montreal. I like, by the way, how you talked about the Sporting KC team that showed up for the start of the season, meaning for the two games. Game, <laughs> two games. Yeah. For the two games that we learned so much about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ian, your thoughts on the on the Canada group? Um, Canada all the way. Okay. Yeah. All right. Total agreement there. We're big Thierry Henry fans. That's right. Well, I, you know, I actually am. So yeah, I I actually, I think Montreal will be good because of him and his leadership. All right. Group D, we have Seattle, Dallas, Vancouver, and San Jose. This one was tough for me to pick, but Steven, I'll let you go. Um, I think Seattle gets through. The next one is a little tough. Um, you know, I'll stick. I'll stick with the theme and uh, go with the Whitecaps. I'm gonna say. All right. Okay. I'm gonna say <laughs> this is Canada's year. That that feels all right. Bold. That feels like just something wacky enough to happen in this. Yeah. Because you, know? you know, it's like it's MLS. It's a tournament. It's Here's not gonna go. The thing. I know I'm wrong, <laughs> but if I say it with enough conviction, I can convince other people to jump off the ship with me you know yeah i agree that I think, board, like, I that board was big enough for both of them at the end of titanic you know but rose was. was convincing enough that jack let go so so obviously i agree steven seattle's number one this is tough because i think like dallas is young and good san jose under almeida is like just such a good like team but i don't think like team wise the teams that gel like that are gonna have a tough time in this format and Vancouver is just like a total wild card right now. Um, so I'm going to say Dallas. I'm going to say Seattle and Dallas. Ian, what are your thoughts? Seattle, as much as it pains me to say, as a Timbers fan. It's a diehard Timbers fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I got to go, go, go Vancouver. Oh, got two on the Vancouver. I said it I said it with enough conviction to convince Ian. So. You convinced Ian of it. <laughs> uh, that's the start. All right, next, Group E, we have Atlanta, Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls, and Columbus. Steven, your thoughts? Uh, well, Atlanta's gone through. Um, yeah. Their player, whose name is escaping me, who had the ACL injury, is Justin still... Martinez. Yeah, he's not anywhere close to coming back, right? I mean, As far as I know, no, but that... Because that happened in, like, the game one of this season, right? It, it did, wasn't yes. last season. Okay, so, yeah, that's not going to matter, though, and in this crap ass group. So they're going to, they're going to skate right through. And, uh, I know it's not going to be Cincinnati, which leaves me the Red Bulls and the Columbus crew to pick from. And I'm feeling that I'm feeling that down home flavor town energy. I'm saying the flavor town crew going through, uh, again, no, for me, it's easy. It's Atlanta and Columbus. And like the other teams are so much worse than Atlanta and Columbus are that. Yeah. Uh, but Ian, again, uh, but again, please, uh, Flavor Town for Flavor Town. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Atlanta and Flavor Town crew. <laughs> um, Flavor you know Town what? crew actually works too. So. <laughs> <It does. laughs> oh boy. Um, you know uh, Atlanta because I remember Atlanta being good. Ian, there yeah. is a Red Bulls team on the table. I, and you know, I was going to say, and I have to go. I have to go with my boys, my one and four. The boys in red. Your Red Bulls. Your boys in Red Bull. I love it. I love the I love the commitment at the very least. 
Easy decisions all around. Okay, and the final group, which is also a very hard group, LAFC, LA Galaxy, Houston, and Portland. Like, this is the group of death here. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I think any of these teams could go through. Houston, I think, is the most screwed. But I don't think they're totally dead in the water. I think they could surprise people. Um, mm. I, I think Portland survives because... They sort of are, you know, they sort of have the least hatred in the group. So I think they can just <laughs> kind of play good soccer and get enough points to get through. And they're, you know, they're obviously a good team. I'm not just saying it's it's all circumstance, but I think they go through. Um, and then I think I'm, I'm going to go with a, what may be a little bit of an upset. Maybe you'll disagree and say that uh, FC over Galaxy is going to advance. Here. No, I, I'd agree with that. I think LAFC is the best team in the group. And yeah, I think Portland is better than Houston. And I think the Galaxy are going to have a rough time. That is my that is my prediction. Yeah. So I don't think the Galaxy are actually a very good team. It's my hot Ooh. take. <laughs> More on that on next week's episode. <laughs> Ian, your Ian. thoughts? Portland, Hit us with those. obviously. Portland, put Portland down twice for me, Steve. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, that way Portland, you can get double, double demerits if you're wrong. Portland, <laughs> and I'm going to go... I'm going to go Houston. Because they're like... Because Houston's like a southern Canada. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Texas is the Canada of the U.S. <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm so excited for that. I've paid for five months of ESPN Plus and I'm finally going to get to use it. We get some like eight o'clock games too. So some like early morning games, all the games are like early in the morning and at night. So I'm digging it. Watch the last dance they said. And I said, no, this shall stay (laughs) virginal until the hashtag MOS is back tournament. And That's right. I've I've stayed true to my vow, and now we are here. So I appreciate your commitment. Thank you. I I'm proud of myself. Uh, finally, this week, as we do have another hard stop for Justin's digital run. Um, right. Now, Justin, I'm I'm just curious. You do have to do the run yourself, right? No, no. I sit here like I'm talking to you guys. Oh. And I put everyone through the run. Oh, fun. I'm just coaching. I'm just coaching them through. Fantastic. I was gonna say, do you like? grab a dog and then just like put peanut butter along the route and just have them, you know, jog it or, you know, there are a lot of ways to get around it. Not quite. You're just telling people to run. Even better. So you can just sit there. (laughs) That's great. Um, Do you get to yell at people like motivational stuff or you? Oh yeah. That's, that's my, that's like what my job boils down to is just, you know, how do you Fantastic. So you're like a Peloton coach on crack. Essentially. But you don't actually have to pedal along with them. That's even better. Right. That's fantastic. Uh, so we do have a hard stop. Uh, but before we get there, Charlotte has announced that it will announce uh, name and colors. Announce its announcement. And three weeks. The clock is ticking. Charlotte will have name and colors in three weeks. Does this mean that our own very beloved, nameless, faceless, shapeless void of a St. Louis MOS team shall be named or shaped or faced in the next three few months. What do you guys think? Where do we stand? What if, what if they steal our colors and name? <laughs> they just <laughs> choose the name. archers, the Charlotte archers. Yeah. And that's fine. You can take it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if we go with archers, I will be so disappointed. 
it's gonna take a lot of adjustment for me yeah. to be used to that. I, I, they can't, right? They wouldn't. That doesn't fit with like all the other names in this in this league. I say Lida Krusen holds a press conference where she announces the names and addresses of all the people that support the archers, and you know we really get down to brass tacks here. That does seem to be her modus operandi. Hmm. Justin, did that story? Did that story get to the other side of the state, or have you not heard uh, that? The, are you talking about the Facebook Live story? Yeah, the Lida thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Wouldn't want to names and addresses of every MLS Blue supporter. I yeah. would hate <laughs> for the hot Lida goss to not, you know, get across the state. Oh, it got, yeah, I heard it. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, Don't good. worry. It's not escaping me. Good, that good. Lida Cruisen gossip. Right. Lida. So, um,. <laughs> What do we think about names and colors? Where do we stand? How are we doing on that? We're not doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, I'm just so done with the speculation that I just, I'll take, like, anything at this point. I know. We talked about this a little bit with Seattle NHL on our uh, hockey podcast last week, a couple days ago, but... I know that some of the logic here is like, well, during this difficult time, you know, we don't want to go ahead and and announce such trivial things as this, you know, when people are suffering. And I get that to an extent, but also, like, give me a distraction for God's sake. Give me something to focus on. (laughs) I would actually be excited or have some hope for some reason to look forward to the future if you tell me that a team name and the colors. Uh, but you know, as it stands, it's like, come on guys. I'm, yeah. I'm tired of waiting. Also like zero offense to the yet to be named blues team or blues team, St. Louis team, or yet to be named <laughs> hockey team. Um, but like as much interest as you would like to generate, uh, and people will be interested. I, I promise you they'll probably be just as interested now as they will be whatever, six months from now. And, whatever you want has died down like it's mm-hmm. it's cool it's cool for that hot second for the day or two of like oh i don't you know cool name cool colors and then it's just it's just a fact of life so this yeah. weird like giant spike they're hoping for <laughs> where they just shake like the media landscape as they know it it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a really good point ian and on top of that we talked about you know really as covid before COVID was really a thing, we had that podcast where we discussed, like, have they kind of botched this and, like, killed any momentum that they could have carried through? And we sort of thought back then that they had. So now it's like, even yeah, though... It, and now it's now the world's ended. And yeah, well, and, and the stadium construction's advancing. They're actually making a lot of progress in terms of, like, moving the earth and building some foundations, foundations. and stuff. But, like, which are an important part of any building. Fun fact. Hmm. But, um... The most boring part to watch constructed, but an important part. <laughs> but, like, they're doing all those things. They don't have the social media presence to make it matter. And uh, then they don't have... It's hard It's hard to talk about and get excited about hashtag MOS St. Louis team instead of, you know, hashtag the, the gateways or whatever. I mean, that's a stupid name. Don't do it, please. But, like, whatever it's going <laughs> to be. The pioneers, the explorers, whatever. Like... It's it's hard to be it's hard for me to get as excited about a team that doesn't have a name, doesn't have a face or a color scheme as it is, you know, for me to like get hyped about whatever. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're coming up on like a year and a half, right? Yeah. As assuming like schedule eventually returns back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like the Battle, you know, the Battle Hawks as corny as it RIP. is. 
we're a good example of like St. Louis is going to embrace what you give them, you know? And some of that was an F you to Stan Kroenke in the NFL, of course. But like, this is a passionate... that same energy. Yeah, but this is a passionate (laughs) fan base and people are going to care, but you have to give them something to care about. And I just feel like we're not there yet, so... I agree. I almost would just start yelling, fuck Stan Kroenke and people will be on board. St. Louis, fuck St. Kroenke's, I think is a good... Yeah, I think it's FSK, yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the update on that. Uh, but we'll hopefully get some news from the St. Louis group uh, before long. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on, Justin? I know you've got dwindling moments until you've got to get out of here anyway. No, so. no I think uh, I think we covered everything well, Good. as well as we possibly can. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're as well as our mediocre talent. We're meager meager voices for the world of soccer, but we do our part. Uh, Ian, any wild conspiracy theories you'd like to spread out there? Oh, oh man, let me, let me have it. <laughs> I was, I was just gonna, I was gonna go into the night quietly, but you know what? Um, why, why does the, why is there light coming off the moon? People tell me it's the sun, but like the sun's not around, so. <laughs> flat Earth, it's a flat Earth, Ian. I gotta tell you, it's a flat. Earth. I'm more of I'm more of a cubed Earth sort of person. <laughs> you know? Like that's flat but six sided. Did you guys know that all of the birds died out in the 1970s, and all the birds that you see now are just CIA drones? Is that a is that Actually, a thing I didn't know people that. believe? <laughs> how many? How much money are they spending on drones? A lot. They, like it seems like a wasted. A wasted opportunity. I feel like me, but... <laughs> you didn't need to match the same volume of birds, but that's impressive. Go CIA. <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. Uh, so, you know, folks, uh, follow us on uh, Twitter at STL underscore podcast. Is it underscore? No, it's not. It's just STL podcast, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, follow us there. STL and, underscore podcast. And tweet... You got it right. Huh? What'd you had you it say? right. STL underscore podcast. Okay, I was right. I'm my brain is broken tonight, guys. I'm sorry. It's Monday. Uh, STL underscore podcast and tweet at us your wild conspiracy theories, and we will, you know, we'll discuss them on the show. Maybe if they're if they're a joke, if they're real, we will not give you any oxygen to breathe. <laughs> oh, I, was that supposed to be a joke? Uh, you know, who, who knows? People find out. People find out next time we're together. Uh, but until then, unless you guys have anything else to say. No, nope. okay. I'm, t- I'm accepting general <laughs> silence as uh, agreement, which is not my usual normal modus of operations. But it's great for podcasts. Yeah, Liverpool are uh, Premier League champions, and you all can rest easy tonight. Have a great evening, folks. Adios. Nice.
If they don't believe 